welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome to another podcast of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal podcast, and our guest today is Greg Mall and Jennifer Miller. Uh, we're going to be, uh, last time we had a podcast, we were talking about barriers and high tables. Today we're going to be talking about different types of wheelchairs, like the difference between indoor and outdoor wheelchairs. Hi, folks. Well, hello, hello. Hi, Brad. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, I'd like to introduce myself because it's my today's my first time being on the podcast. Uh, my name is Jennifer, and I work for Roller Amp in uh, marketing and sales. And I guess I am what some might refer to as an able-bodied person, just in that I have full use of my legs, arms, eyes, and ears. Uh, so I, I'm excited to be here today to learn more about uh, types of wheelchairs and how they work for various needs and in different situations. Well, and I can kind of uh, add to that as far as uh, I'm Greg Mall. I've been on the podcast if I'm from Roller Ramp. And <clears throat> I actually have a disability. I'm a T12, which is the 12th thoracic vertebrae was, was uh, crushed in an accident. So I'm a para paraplegic and so I have full use of my uh, arms and upper body and limited use of my legs and so I'm in a manual wheelchair called a quickie QR7 which is a pretty popular chair that I motivate around by myself so Bradley yeah and I have cerebral palsy of course and uh, I'm in an electric wheelchair and if a care the fitted seat and uh, I can also raise my legs to, to get them uh, so I can sleep in my chair if I want to or relax uh, my hips a little better and so basically for repositioning that I can move my legs up and down if I want to and lay back so it's kind of a neat chair but but uh, only limited to what it can do as far as going across rough train and stuff like that. So. All right. Well, cool. Um, so, Greg, yeah, why don't you just talk to us a little bit about kind of your chair and how 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 it works for your needs and your situation? Because from from what I understand, there's there's a whole spectrum of wheelchairs on the market, and they, it all just depends on what uh, I would an individual's needs are. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. And what's really crazy is that, uh, for example, I'm a para, so I'm in a manual wheelchair, but that means like a whole bunch of different things because of the amount of choices that you have for even a manual wheelchair are thousands. It's absolutely crazy. And so typically the typical paraplegic uh, person is going to be in a wheelchair that is similar to mine. Mine is a very common wheelchair. It's nothing special. It's got four wheels, 
two large wheels and then the front wheels and it's got a, a cushion for seating and it's got brakes and it's really does its oh. job where it comes to indoors. Yeah. It likes floors, carpet, driveways, concrete, roads. It doesn't usually do a very good job when it comes to, uh, it's not really meant for outside. For example, because of the smaller wheels on the front, I do go outside a lot and a lot of pairs do go outside and, and go places probably where the chair wasn't really designed. But I've gone on, uh, on beaches that weren't too soft and I've gone outdoors on yards and on different properties and, and things, but I'm a little more extreme than, than your average bear. But there are racing chairs and there are um, just really lightweight chairs. For example, my chair is a lightweight quickie. So what I can do is easily grasp the chair and then throw it into the back of my SUV. And so it has to be lightweight that way for somebody who is uh, who can stand anyway. There are also very uh, ultra lightweight chairs for people who must transfer into a vehicle and then break down the wheelchair by removing the wheels and the seat and then putting it into the into the chair into the uh, into the vehicle. Now, Brad, maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the limitations for your chair. Like, can you go up hills? Can it climb over stairs? What types of what types of limitations does it have? My chair. Uh, only can go up on a 10 degree incline, which is pretty good. It uh, doesn't fold up if I had to go anywhere with my chair. I have to be taken out and then use a ramp to put it in the back of a pickup or, um, or put it on a trailer to haul it to wherever I'm going. But, um, so there's a lot of limitations to this chair. And it, and it really doesn't go very well across, you know, like if you went to a park or even, let's say, to a stubble field. It doesn't, it doesn't go over so, so well. So, so it's, like more it's, for, it's more for, uh, like I described, I mean, lawns, um, streets, driveways, sidewalks, floors, carpet, more of, more of the flat or the indoor use? Right. Yeah, basically, uh, it's an indoor chair, I would call it. But I also have a backup uh, quickie wheelchair like you do with a, with a molded seat in it. So I have a question. So you have, so Brad, most of the time you are in your uh, power, also called it electric uh, wheelchair. Um, but then you said you have a backup chair. So does the, like the power ever fail or the electricity or how does, like, how does that work? When, when would you switch from one to another? Well, to be honest with you, let's say the motor goes out. Mm -hmm. um, I've had that happen many times in my in previous chairs. Wow. You know, once the motor goes out, you have to order a new one, and uh, it takes a couple weeks to get here. So, yeah, I go to my backup chair. And so, uh, I'm very, well, I'm handicapped at that time, so I can't, so I can't uh, really say too much about that. That doesn't happen too often, though. I don't use my manual chair unless I... 
absolutely have to. You know, I haven't used that for about a couple years now, but I have used it as a backup. And so, so Brad, in your in your chair, how far, um, like how long does a charge last, and and or how how far can you go in your chair? It depends upon how many hills I have to climb. With just a flat surface per se, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe maybe five miles. Wow, is that a long time when you're indoors or whatever? When I'm indoors, it is. But when you're outside, it takes up a lot of a lot of power in the battery, and it takes about twenty four hours to recharge. Okay. Um, very interesting. And so you had kind of talked a little bit about outdoor chairs. Are there, um, I've heard about kind of adventuring or like all-terrain chairs. Uh, what do you guys know about those? Well, speaking for myself here, Brad and I have looked uh, at a couple different chairs because when you're in a chair, you kind of like to see what's new and, and what's out there. There's There's a number of chairs out there that are meant for maybe getting outdoors and helping people be a little bit more uh, active, everybody who might be mobility impaired. There's one, there's one out of England called the Hex, Hexog. It's got six wheel independent suspension. So this wheelchair can go water that would be, for example, knee deep. So you can go fishing in that chair it goes in the snow. It can go through uh, very steep ravines and ditches because of the wheels. And you strap right in. And that chair, Brad, if you know the chair, Brad. And that chair is basically would be compared between an ATV, an all-terrain vehicle, like a side-by-side -side or a four-wheeler, yes, and a wheelchair. Yes. Uh, one thing I like about that is each section of the the chair has an independent, like you said, an independent suspension, and it also has a four-point four harness in the jersey, so, you know, so the driver doesn't flop around so much or bounce around so much, and it also makes it easier to get in because you can push a button and the seat comes out for easy transfer, so... Yeah, I saw that. I saw that where you can go ahead and take your manual chair and you and you move the seat forward, you transfer in, then you move the seat up and back into position, and then you can you can rock and roll. Yep. The max speed on that one I saw is 10 miles an hour, which is pretty fast in a it's wheelchair. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yep. So it's really and that that four-point harness is nice because you can keep safe and it's got a roll bar, so it's virtually unable to be tipped. But that's kind of a neat wheelchair that there's a lot of chairs out there that are meant for the off-road or, say, all-terrain or trails, say, for parks. And very few of them are wheels. Most of them are tracks. So this Hexog is a very unique chair in that it's got wheels. It's a little larger chair, so you wouldn't be able to just pull it into your house it's a chair that would have to be in your shop or in a garage or right. um, things of that nature transported on a trailer. And, I, and it's really neat because uh, it's made out of England, correct? Yeah, it's made out of England, and I guess uh, it's sold all throughout Europe. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and so a, a, a little 
Kate, earlier on in this episode, uh, we had talked about kind of moving around. Greg, you had said that with your chair, you can put it into the back of your SUV. Do you ever have a case when you do have, where you have to ride in a vehicle that is not wheelchair accessible or does your wheelchair come apart or how do you move well, around if you're not driving? Here's, <laughs> like, here's, here's how it used to work. Uh, when I was first disabled back in 2002, I really didn't have much use of my legs at all. And so what I had to do was use a transfer board. Basically a transfer board is a board, say 24 inches long by maybe 10 or 12 inches wide. And it can be wood or plastic and you slip it under your, your, uh, your rear on top of the wheelchair seat and then you transfer into the truck. And so then what I had to do is flip the wheelchair on its side, pull off the wheel and then flip the wheelchair over, pull off that wheel and bring it in. And then most paras are in chairs that are rigid. In other words, that means the chair won't fold up like it does when you see a transfer transfer chair at like the clinics or hospitals. Sure. So a rigid uniframe chair, then you have to lift that across your body and into the front seat or into the back seat. So that's what I did a lot to begin with. And that's very common for paras who are not able to stand up and get into their vehicle. So when I go into a vehicle, it's usually a vehicle that I know I'm, I'm pretty careful to to either drive or go into a vehicle that I know that will work. My wife's got a car, <clears throat> excuse me, but the cars these days have a lot of room in them compared to what they used to be, the cars that have a hatchback. So I go ahead and put it in there as well. But but it can be a challenge, like you said, Jen, if, if you're not driving, how to get the chair in there. And usually I'll just have it, like if I travel, for example, a lot of Ubers will have the bigger vehicle if you choose it, but if you don't or one shows up with the trunk, then I have to go ahead and pull the wheels off and take the seat off and, and lay the back down and get it into a trunk. Okay, so that that's interesting that some you know manual chairs do have that flexibility of um, somewhat being disassembled for portability as opposed to if somebody had a, a power chair they probably would not have that option. Is that kind of correct? That's Mostly so, yeah. Like Brad, you you would have you would have like let's say if you were to travel, you wouldn't be able to take an Uber unless it was handicap accessible because you can't take your chair apart like that. Right, right. Unless I take my manual chair when I travel. There are some power chairs that you can get that are portable, like portable scooters they have which you can you know, pull the back off and pull the seat off and pull the batteries. Now there's portable uh, electric wheelchairs too, right, Brad? Ones that would be more for portable for travel? Yes, yes, there is, but man, are they expensive. <laughs> I suppose for the convenience of it. Right, right. So, but nowadays, I, I've, I've read there was a, there's a guy that's trying to come up with some, uh, tie downs for airplanes where you, where the guy sits in his own wheelchair. Oh. So that would be kinda cool. I hope that he I hope they do have a couple of spots for wheelchairs so they can do that. That would be very, very, very interesting. A lot easier for me. Well, you'd think in this day and age that with the airlines and the whole movement to be accessible that I know that it probably takes away another seat 
for capacity, but it certainly would make sense that the disabled could fly in their own device. Oh, yes. It would make it a lot easier. And yes, they take away a seat, but we're bringing our own seat anyway. We're paying for our own seat like we do in our regular concerts anyway. We have to still pay the ticket. But they're not losing any money. So. Right. right. That's, yeah, that. And for somebody who is, you know, in their chair most of the time, if they're flying, that would be a great option if, if available where you could just be in the position of the seat, but have the seat removed, but then have tie down so you can stay, remain how you're comfortable. Yep. Um, just one other thing that I thought we, you know, could, could, should maybe chat about regarding how the the wheelchair because those are unique to you guys right or somebody who is a wheelchair user it is always unique to that individual and it's kind of an extension of that person uh is that correct and so if you have like other people it's probably not a good idea for people that don't know you to come up and be touching your chair is that correct for me, sometimes yes, because it, it, it can throw me off as far as if someone grabs the, uh, the controller, I would be afraid to run them, run them over because mm-hmm. I don't have control of the chair. Sure. And then the chairs are, are an extension, like Jennifer said, because yeah. when you do the positioning for a new chair, they do they have a seating and positioning specialist. And so they'll measure the legs, they'll measure the width, they'll measure you know, all kinds of measurements. And so the chair actually gets built so that it fits the body. And then also the seating is, is appropriate for the right size. So it's not like you can just get a chair, you know, off the shelf at Target when you need to go get a chair. So it's a little more complex. And usually you have to wait for them a week minimum, but probably closer to Two weeks is pretty common for a manual wheelchair. Now, Brad, is that about the time frame you had to wait for your custom chair? No, I had to wait about close to six weeks. Okay. Mm. Okay. Because that's custom for you, correct? Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of planning that goes into, you know, chairs for each individual, kind of customized to the, the person's, I guess, body frame and person's physical needs, capabilities, disability. Um, each chair is unique to a, the individual. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it because some people have more issues with pressure and pressure sores. So okay. just the seating part of it, you can go into all kinds of different options for that. So Cool. So there, there's a lot of great info. I'm just curious, is there are there any other um, things that you would like to share with our you know, like our listening audience or just to people maybe outside of the, you know, outside of the disability community or even, you know, people who are more, um, you know, we say able-bodied, like, you know, people that can walk, just things that maybe I might not be aware of that I should know for the uh, wheelchair user community. Well, there, there's a few other chairs called, there's a, uh... One called the Zizo, that's made out of Austria. That chair, that chair, is on tracks. That'll that's built like a tank. That that'll go uh, twenty-one miles an hour. So, 
Yeah, that's that's an extreme chair. Wow. That that chair <laughs> that chair there. If you watch a if you watch a video on the Zezel, it's called it's it's uh, spelled Z as in zebra, I E S E L, and some of the features of that is it, it really goes fast. You think eighteen miles an hour isn't fast? Look at how fast they go. And what's neat about that chair that I find exciting is that you can get the attachments for a lawnmower and for a snowplow. So with your wheelchair that you would transfer into from your manual chair or power chair, you could actually mow your lawn or uh, do snow removal. You can, I've seen it actually pull snow skiers and it pulls 2000 pounds on a trailer. So that is an extreme chair, but of course you're going to pay, you know, you're going to pay 30,000 probably for a base model and up to, say 50 for everything for so, everything more than a car more than the cost of a vehicle more than a car but i want to touch on one other company that produces a wheelchair because of the way they have it priced it's called the action track chair and it's built in the united states and what's cool about that company is they price the chair at between eight thousand and ten thousand which is really a price that's in the realm uh in the range of the power wheelchairs and the company has priced it so mobility impaired people can get back to what they did before. And so they use it as kind of a ministry instead of pricing it at 15 to 20,000. It's priced actually so people can get out there. And again, you can use this for trails. You can use it in the yard, in the snow. It's a track chair. Um, and it also has a standing feature, Jennifer. You touched on that earlier where um, just with a touch of a button, it's got pads that go in front of the knees. And so as the chair moves forward and up, those pads actually keep the knees forward so the legs stay locked. And so you can motivate the chair up at eye level with people, whether you're on the beach or, or anything else. And uh, it also does stairs. So that is a really nice chair. And it, one of the features is that it can be set up for hunting. They actually have a gun mount for it. And it's a very popular chair for these, uh, these outfitters that bring in handicapped people to use because it is, it does have the features that you can mount to it. So that's really a, a neat chair that uh, I would like to have. <laughs> I, I had one of those chairs as well. I mean, they're, they're awesome. Uh, my dad, when I approached my dad on getting this chair, he thought I was crazy because I wanted the one that I could stand up in. But he thought I would be too tall and tip it over frontwards, you know, but I would be top heavy. And he talked me out of it. If I ever did get another one, it would have a standing feature in it so I could stand up and talk to somebody standing up for a change. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a really neat chair that's built in the U.S. That I like the standing feature too because if you're in a, if you can or if you can't stand up, that chair will allow you to stand up by keeping your knees straight. And anybody that's in a wheelchair knows that once you're, if you if you're in a wheelchair full time or whether you're in a wheelchair majority of the time like me, and fortunately I can get out and stretch once in a while. But if you can't getting the legs straight is very important to uh, the circulation and pressure points and also very important for the legs, for the bone structure, for weight bearing. It's very important to have weight bearing. And when you're sitting all of the time, you don't get that, Brad. You probably know about that. Excuse me. Oh, yes, I do. 
I sure do. I I really feel that um, the more you stand, I mean, there's a term. If you if you don't use it, you lose it. So, and if I could figure out a way to uh, uh, stand on my legs other than transferring and, and stuff like that, I would sure do that. I mean, uh, I'm being in a being in a action chair like that, the truck chair, and standing up there. Number one, it really it really makes you feel like you're part of that gang. You don't people don't have to look down at at you. And that makes you feel better too about yourself. And number three, it also helps you therapeutically too because it helps with the circulation in your legs, your everything. So, you know, I think it would help us a lot. So, they got a good thing in Marshall, Minnesota. Great. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's built in Minnesota. ActionTrackChair.com. Cool. Hey, and that's awesome. That's a lot of very, very interesting information because a lot of people maybe, you know, think, and myself included, thought, oh, well, there's a manual chair you push yourself, and then there's a power chair where there's a motor. But motor. there's it seems like a whole huge, huge spectrum. That's um, a big market. Huge big market. market. <laughs> it's um, a big world out there. For it's whatever. a big world out there. Well, <laughs> and I guess, yeah, we'll maybe kind of wrap it up here. Yeah. yeah, that covers a lot of information today with all these chairs and how you use them and how people get evaluated for a chair. It's just a lot of good info that other chair users might find useful and people that don't know a thing about wheelchairs might find some, some benefit from it as well. Well, and I think a lot, a lot of times, and if somebody is in a, if somebody is a wheelchair user, then they might also need a ramp to get up some stairs. And so it looks like next time we might be talking about how to choose the right ramp. So if somebody is looking for a ramp, um, who who would they call? Call Roller Ramp. Call Roller Ramp. Yeah. yeah give us a call at Roller Ramp, um, and we'd love to chat with you about how our ramps can help with your accessibility needs. And then ne next time we'll talk a little bit more about the process to choose the right ramp for your individual needs and how that might correlate with the type of chair or mobility device that somebody has. Mm -hmm. That'll be a very interesting topic, Jennifer. And I think people that are in wheelchairs and people that are helping others select wheelchairs, I think that'll be a lot of good information in there for them. All right. Well, hey, Brad, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. It was great. Uh, great to be here. Anytime. Anytime. It was a great addition. Yeah. So. Thanks, Brad. It was a great opportunity to, to get some information out there. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. And um, we'll see you guys next time on Living with Disability No Big Deal podcast. We hope you learned something today. If you would like to speak to a with a ramp expert, please call Roll Ramp to chat with Greg, Kathy, or Jennifer. We do not charge for for evaluations. Typically, all we need are measurements and a couple of photos of the area where you need a ramp, and, and we can make a recommendation based on 
your individual needs. For, for more information, please contact Rover Amp at 1-866-883-4722 or the North Dakota local number is 1-701-277-9471 and you can contact me, Brad Gabrielson at area code 1-701-272-8560 or my email address is bgmarborough at gmail.com. Thank you and you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. Sponsored by Rolleramp. this podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Rolleramp is a global company based in North Dakota, dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. Special thanks to Dopey T for his original music. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.